0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I'd like to welcome you to my January 2018 podcast series of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. But first, a word about this month's sponsor, Conversant. Conversant brings a different kind of ethics and compliance solution to your organization. These days, business success demands something different, a corporate culture centered on integrity and ethical behavior. Conversant provides your teams with a centralized platform and automated processes that connect your business goals with your ethics and values. The result, a highly strategic program that drives ethics and values to the center of your business. Through the use of the Conversant Ethics Cloud Platform, it gives you the choice of what you need according to your compliance program maturity. As your compliance program progresses on its ethical journey, Conversant can meet the needs of your requirements with unified ease of use and all of your ethics compliance data in one place, increasing transparency and efficiency while reducing cost. If you have been following me over the past year, you know that I have gone on a one-year exploration of various components of a best practices compliance program. However, during this exploration, there were two very important documents released by the Department of Justice relating to a best practices compliance program. In February 2017, there was the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document, and in November 2017, there was the announcement of the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. Therefore, in this month of January, I'm going to lay out for you what should go into your best practices compliance program based upon the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and these two documents. Over the next 31 days, I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize a compliance program using the most recent DOJ resources. I hope you will join me for the full 31 days as we engage in an exploration to a more effective compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 8, Internal Controls and Compliance. What specifically are internal controls in a best practices compliance program? Internal controls are not only the foundation of a company, but they are also the foundation of an effective anti-corruption compliance program. The starting point for internal controls is the FCPA itself, which requires internal controls to sufficient to provide reasonable assurances in four components. One, that transactions are executed in accordance with management's general or specific authorization. Two, that transactions are recorded as necessary to permit the preparation of financial statements in conformity with the generally accepted accounting principles. Three, the access to assets is permitted only in accordance with management's general or specific authorization. And four, The recorded accountability for assets is compared with the existing assets at regular intervals, and appropriate action is taken with respect to any differences. In the 2012 FCPA guidance, it stated, Internal controls over financial reporting are the processes used by companies to provide reasonable assurances regarding the reliability of financial reporting and the preparation of financial statements. They include various components, such as a control environment that covers the tone set by the organization regarding integrity and ethics, risk assessments, and control activities that cover policies and procedures designed to ensure that management directives are carried out information and communication, and monitoring. Moreover, the design of a company's internal controls must take into account the operational realities and risks tended to the company's business, such as the nature of its product and services, how the products or services get to market, the nature of its work, the degree of its regulation, the extent of government interaction, and the degree to which its operations in in countries with a high risk of corruption. This was supplemented by the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Program document with the following question. Under controls, have the controls failed or were they absent or were absent that would have detected or prevented the misconduct? Are they there now? Aaron Murphy has said of internal controls, internal controls are the policies, procedures, monitoring, and training that are designed to ensure a company's assets are properly used with proper approval and that transactions are properly recorded in the books and records. While it is theoretically possible to have good controls, but bad books and records and vice versa, the two generally go hand in hand. Internal controls expert Joe Howell, EVP at WorkKiva, has said that internal controls are systemic measures such as reviews, checks and balances, and methods and procedures instituted by an organization that performs several different functions. These functions include allowing a company to conduct its business in an orderly and efficient manner, to safeguard its assets and resources, to detect and deter errors, fraud, and theft, to assist the organization in ensuring accuracy and completeness of the accounting data, to enable a business to produce reliable, timely financial statements and management information, and to help an entity ensure there is an adherence to its policies and plans by its employees, applicable third parties, and others. Howell has added internal controls are entity-wide, that is, they are not just limited to accountants and auditors also notes that for compliance purposes, these controls are the specific measures to provide reasonable assurances that assets or resources cannot be used to pay a bribe. This definition includes the of company assets, such as unauthorized sales discounts and receivable write-offs, as well as the distribution of assets. Why are internal controls important in your compliance program? Several FCPA enforcement actions... Demonstrate the reason. The first is in the Weatherford International case. There were three areas the company failed to institute appropriate internal controls. First, around third parties and business transactions. Second, limits of authority. And third, documented requirements. Next, on effectively evaluating business transactions, including business ventures, such as acquisitions and joint ventures. Finally, there was a failure around excessive gifts, travel, and entertainment. The second case involved the gun manufacturer Smith & Wesson. This was a civil matter prosecuted administratively by the SEC. The SEC said that Smith & Wesson failed to devise and maintain sufficient internal controls with respect to its international sales operation. All of this was in the face of the fact that there was no evidence that a bribe had ever been paid. The third is the circumvention of existing internal controls with no justification or appropriate compliance function oversight. This comes from the SEC enforcement action against Halliburton for hiring an Angolan agent by moving him from the commercial agent status to that of a supplier so the approval process would be easier. However, the internal controls process using a supplier also had rigor as it required a competitive bidding process, which would take several months. Overriding this internal control, the local business team was able to contract with the Angolan agent for these services, all with the Angolan agent not going through the procurement internal controls process. A second internal control which was overridden was the procurement requirement that a supplier possess process begin with an assessment of the criticality or risk of a material or other service not being delivered without a competitive bid. This was essentially a business justification that we see in third parties, but it was overridden in the Halliburton case. Halliburton internal controls required that when a single source was used by a company, it had to have this business justification. None was was provided. The whole concept of internal controls is that companies need to focus on where their risks are, whether those be compliance risks or other risks, and they need to allocate their limited resources to putting controls in place that address those risks. Not just cash, but inventory, fixed assets, et cetera. There are four internal controls that I would suggest the compliance practitioner implement initially. Those are the delegation of authority, two, maintenance of vendor master file, three, contracts with employees, and then four, movement of currency and cash. Your delegation of authority should reflect the impact of the compliance risk both transactionally and geographically so that a higher level of approval is required for matters involving third parties for fund transfers and invoice payments to countries outside the United States. On your vendor master file, this can be your most powerful preventive control, largely because payment to fictitious vendors is one of the most common occupational frauds and indeed biggest problem in the FCPA world. The vendor master file should be structured so that each vendor can can be identified not only by risk level, but also the date on which the vetting was completed and the vendor received final approval. There should be electronic controls in place to block any payment to any vendor which has not been properly vetted. Contracts with third parties can be an effective internal control which works to prevent nefarious conduct rather than simply as a detect control. Finally, All these situations involving the movement of cash or transfer of monies outside the United States include methods such as computer checks, manual checks, wire transfers, etc. This means you need to identify the ways in which a country manager or even a sales manager could cause funds to be transferred to their control and to to conceal their true identity. These types of activities Around all of these types of activities, internal controls need to be in place. All wire transfers outside the United States should have defined approvals in the delegation of authority. The bottom line is that internal controls are not just good financial controls. The internal controls detailed for third-party representatives in the compliance context will help you detect fraud, which well could lead to bribery and corruption. As an exercise, I suggest you map the existing internal controls in your company to the 10 Hallmarks of an Effective Compliance Program or some other well-known anti-corruption regime to see where control gaps may exist at your company. This will help you determine whether adequate compliance internal controls are present in your organization. From there, you can move to see if they are working in practice or functioning. So what are the three key takeaways? Number one, Effective internal controls are required under the FCPA. Number two, internal controls are a critical part of any best practices compliance program. And three, the Weatherford, Smith & Wesson, and Halliburton FCPA enforcement actions all demonstrate a robust enforcement spotlight on internal controls by the Securities and Exchange Commission. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day eight of 31 days to a more effective compliance program. And I hope you will join me tomorrow for Day 9 when we take up 360 degrees of compliance communication. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, sponsored by Conversant. I hope you will join me tomorrow and, indeed, for the entire 31 days in January while I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize your compliance program using the most recent resources the Department of Justice has communicated to us, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network.